Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bullhagen. Just me? It's okay. I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this episode. Um, so we weren't able to record a normal episode because the computer in our luxurious talks and tasting studio decided to become a nice uh, paperweight. It stopped working, which threw all our recording out the window. As they say in Latin, ex fenestra. So um, I still want to get something out. We have a this thing where we have not had a Sunday without an episode coming out, and I did not want that to change, and Peter didn't want that to change. And so... Um, uh, I've got something planned that's going to be a little introspective. It's going to be hopefully interesting. Um, and actually, I'll just go go right into it. And this is my thought process. So one of my favorite um, top 12 lists um, was the top 12 ways to help your pastor sleep. And I was thinking about this. Uh had a pastor's conference this week, um, and it always makes the, the week busier. But uh, as I go to a pastor's conference, it's it's amazing to me how over the last few years it's changed a little bit. And I'll put it this way. The pastors look like they've slept a little less. When I made that top 12 list, it was before the pandemic. And it was the kind of thing that all pastors wrestle with about going to church and helping his family and Sunday school and teaching and praying at home and all those those wonderful things. And it seems like all those concerns that I had pre-pandemic have been multiplied. That list that I made, um, you just go down the list. It seems like every one of those for most pastors in most situations has been amplified I would say a good portion of pastors feel as though that their church really have not recovered from where they were. And a lot of pastors, when you think of all the reasons why they may have trouble sleeping, um, everything that the pandemic did uh, amplified that, and, and still to this day amplified it. And I'm speaking this way because, you know, the president obviously declared the pandemic over, and and in many ways, we've gone back to our normal life. Um, but I think this is something that pastors and churches, we're only just now beginning to understand just a little bit what this means. Churches, many churches just aren't quite the same as far as attendance or help or finances or a whole host of reasons and things. And some sometimes in some ways it's better, more clarified our view, but in other ways, um, there are many things that might keep a pastor awake. And I and as I said before, it's not something that I really don't know if I'm full, if I'm honest, fully processed still to this day. I'm still wrestling with it. And I still worry about it, and I still am concerned about the flock, and every pastor is. And and while we, in many ways, go back to our normal life, 
it's not normal for many pastors out there. And it's, and it's not the same as it was before that. And all those things that would keep a pastor awake and worried, um, those, the pandemic has greatly, greatly influenced that list. My list probably wouldn't change. It's still the same things that keep pastors awake. Um, but, I don't know, it's just amplified and just kind of worse and, um, and affects the people in the congregation too because um, they're worried about it just as a pastor is. And uh, you add to that a lot of the cultural things that are going right now and, and um, all the things that uh, really, uh, you know, we worry about uh, the culture wars on our people and we worry about our, our own families. And we, I, mean, I wonder how much of this that the churches are going through, the congregations are going through, how much of this is pandemic-related and how much of it is um, just sin and a sinful world-related. The hearts of uh, many are, are growing cold. I mean, the world is having a very powerful effect on the church, and that's always been the case, but particularly when sides are so drawn and the, uh, who we are as Christians and human beings is just fundamentally under attack. And, and the, the, how it's aimed at the youth and, and who you are, you know, when it comes to this, this whole gender thing of teaching you know, the young people to hate their bodies uh, because they feel as though they're, they're a different gender. And how a cleave between parent and child often in these instances are, are being made and pushed. Um, this is having, I think, an equally profound effect on the church. And um, that also it keeps the pastor awake at night. And uh, all the stuff, you, you visit with pastors and you go to a pastor's conference and, uh, I mean, you could see it. And uh, you talk to other pastors and you can, you know, there are many, many are going through this. You don't quite see the joy, the ministry amongst many of these men as you used to at, at these. And... Um, and so listen to this list and, and really reevaluate. I, I evaluate myself along the way too. I mean, that's why I've been teaching the vicar this week is to truly, when you look at a text, you know, we often think about uh, what someone needs to hear from this text. And we can think of all sorts of examples of this person, who, the kind of person who needs it. Or think of someone who... Who, who's been through this situation would need to hear from this text. And more often than not, usually the better sermon comes from uh, what the pastor himself needs to hear from that text. Um, like this, the text that we have for this day, Vickers preaching on it, and uh, it's about uh, the parable of the, the wedding feast where, where someone takes a lower pre, pre, place and, and asks to move higher. You know, to think of all the ways that we think that we earn or deserve 
but our sins, you know, most every pastor would say, you know, if you knew my sins or what was in my heart, uh, who would let me in the pulpit? Or what I who am I to even show my face in the church? And uh, um, I think every pastor at least should think of that and consider that because um, we need God's grace too. And, and to wrestle uh, with how much you need God's grace and mercy and how Jesus became the lowest for us to raise us up. But that whole lesson, as I look at that top 12 list, is there's always things that uh, I could always be re- always reconsidering of how I'm doing things and how I can reach out and kind of reinvent myself in certain ways that I can be a better pastor. You know, I'm really giving you some behind-the-collar stuff today. But look, going back to that top 12 list, I really think it's good to hear again. And uh, I think it's good to re- reevaluate each listener as a pastor or a listener and a congregant of how important it is to support these good things and to encourage your pastor and to encourage your, your pastor in the godly things he is doing in your congregation and to to uh, support him and to be his voice and help him speak up for him, especially when it comes to a lot of these difficult issues that pastors sometimes shy away from speaking because they don't want everybody mad at him, or they don't want tender faith to be shaken or broken. And and the and what a blessing it is to have uh, support from from your people, and to all the ways that uh, making sure you're in church and going to Bible study and letting your pastor know when you need a visit, all those things go a long way. And I want to put a, uh, also a little note into the pastors as well. Is uh, um, I want to encourage you in all these things to continue to speak clearly, to be encouraged that God's Word does what God says it does. And to be a good listener of the text, even as you preach it, to know that, that God's grace is for you, and it is alive, and it is well, and he feeds you his body and blood. He baptized, baptized you in his grace and mercy and covered you in all your sins. And to listen to that, and to, to take care of yourself, honestly, take, you know, it's really easy uh, to allow bad habits to, to grow with you. And to, to use the stress and the trauma that, that, that a, being a pastor provides at times and in many ways uh, to, to be a less healthy person, whether it's mentally or physically or um, relationally with your wife and your family. And to, you know, you can't address all these things and face this changing church that we live in, this facing place that we live in, our communities, um, you can't face that in a weaker position when it comes to those things. Uh, it's going to attack your, your family, it's going to attack your health, it's going to attack all those things. Um, find someone you can talk to. Uh, you know, get strength from your other fellow pastors. Um, be comforted in the gospel all these things, I know I'm, I'm getting kind of preachy, I am a preacher, but, but to really consider all those things, because um, God called you, you're precious to him, you speak for him, 
you still have the, the blessed call to forgive sins in the name of Jesus, to speak for Christ, and to, I mean, we still believe this all works, right? I'm sorry, am I rambling here? <laughs> That's all right. I would love, by the way, for this to be a continued dialogue. Um, I would love to hear from other pastors on, on your thoughts, and how has this list changed for you? Um, I, I always think that uh, that uh, an open dialogue like this, and I like the, the podcast forum to do this, because it's, I'm, I know I'm dealing with a lot of people who are, um, are not closely related to a lot of the work that an individual pastor does. And uh, I just think the more that uh, a pastor can understand his people, then the people can understand their pastor and, and where he's coming from. And that healthy understanding can go a real long way in making us stronger and making a stronger church and making a stronger congregation. Or uh, it's, it's surprising to me how often uh, just simply understanding one another, because we all really want the same thing. We want our churches to be stronger. We want God's word to be heard, and we want sins to be forgiven, and we want to God to do His work. And uh, a healthy dose of, you know, understanding what pastors go through, just that like uh, a pastor understanding what his people are going through in various areas. Uh, not only are good sermons from understanding how the, the text might apply to you, but also um, if you're not visiting and you're not seeing people or you're not hearing from people what they, they're going through, it's going to affect the sermons as well. So my point is, um, behind the collar stuff to me is one of the strongest things of this podcast. And But having that dialogue, here I go rambling again, having this discussion, um, having clarity and people understand what pastors actually think about and what they wrestle about and what their weaknesses are and uh, what is it that gives them anxiety. Um, I think uh, the more people can understand that, I think the better. And uh, and to know the vulner- vulnerabilities of a pastor and and to for, for people to understand where he's coming from and why he does things uh, is always good. So pastors, any comments on this? And listener, any questions about this, especially with some of the behind the collar stuff, please let us know. Um, you know how to get hold of us, right? Clerical Errors Podcast. Uh, feedback at clericalerrors.org. Uh, All those things, right? Get a hold of us. You can find us. At me, bro. And uh, Peter will be playing this top 12 list. And since, uh, for editing's sake, I'm going to say the, the may your... Uh, now, uh, so that Peter doesn't, Peter doesn't have to edit it in later. You get to say it now, and you can listen to the rest of the the top twelve list. So, um, this is Paul Hagen, and may your pastor not ramble, <laughs> and may your pastor and people both rest tonight securely in the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus. Now, uh, the top twelve list has run the gamut of things, hasn't it? Yeah. What's been your favorite so far? Oh, I'm kind of torn between uh, the uh, podcast names and uh, the, fan- the biblical fantasy football team. I- that one was pretty creative. <laughs>
All right. Well, this this one is a uh, one that I think is more uh, helpful, the kind that lets you a little bit more to see behind the collar. And uh, I'll let you know what that is as soon as Peter does what? Play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. Today's Top 12 list is ways to help your pastor sleep better at night. You know, I could always use that. I'm not a very good sleeper. Me neither. I Maybe it's an age thing, but uh, I, I, I uh, am not a very good sleeper at all. And uh, my mind wanders. I get restless. And uh, sometimes have trouble sleeping. So, um, so this is twelve ways to help your pastor sleep at night. And what I mean by this is, is uh, what kind of things do pastors worry about? People's souls. Yeah, I mean, we worry about these things, and we have in m- many different ways. And so, so uh, these are twelve ways that uh, you can do to help your pastor sleep better at night. Number 12. Understand that we do actually lose sleep over you. <laughs> that's a that's a good starting one, right? I think sometimes people don't realize this that uh that uh um we think about you, we pray for you, we worry about you. Um and uh you know, when we lose sleep, a lot of times we're thinking of either you or our family. And it's real, isn't it? It is. It's very real. And uh, and so uh, I think just being aware of that, uh, your pastor really does care for your soul, and uh, and uh, really is a good way to start because I think people sometimes think pastor has an ulterior motive or or he likes to get into fights or kick people out of the church or a number of different other things, you know. Yeah. Number eleven. Invite friends, family, and neighbor to church. That's a good one, yep. You know, I tell the people here that uh, people wonder, well, how do I share who Jesus is with these people? And it's good to have some answers, but I remind them that every time you come to church, where I'm a pastor and where you're a pastor, mm-hmm. they are going to hear the word of God and the gospel and what Jesus' death means every single Sunday. Right. It's like when uh, Peter has questions about who Jesus is before he's kind of brought into the fold, and his brother Andrew says, come and see. Yeah. Sometimes that's the best thing to say. Come and see. Come to church. And and along that note, as I want to mention about this top 12 list, is um, one thing I can say is my own congregation where I serve, they're pretty good at these, and I'm pretty blessed. Um, as a vicarage supervisor, I... I hear a lot from former vicars too, and and I've kind of learned what's helpful for them along the way. And so, so this isn't just me coming out of these out of the the thin air just for me, but I, I've talked to quite a few people about um, the kinds of things that they that pastors worry about and are concerned about. So I wanted to mention that. That brings us to number ten. Number ten. Speak well of him and put the best construction on everything. Yep. Good old Eighth Commandment. And uh, because uh, putting the best construction on things really, one, helps you, uh, the, uh, the, the, the person uh, sitting in the pews, but it also it has a snowball effect. You know, if people are, don't understand and they assume the worst or they think that pastor has an ulterior motive, and then that gets shared and grows suspicion, and then people wonder, why isn't the church growing all those things when... 
they're not talking well about the pastor. That has an effect on whether people want to actually come to that church or not. Mm-hmm. Any other comments on that? Yeah, just be generous, you know. And if you don't understand something, ask. Every pastor should be open to uh, explaining himself on why he said what he said and what he and why he did what he did. Yeah. Number nine. Be joyful and dedicated about Sunday school and vacation Bible study, VBS. Good. I know that where I grew up, uh, unfortunately, some of these programs have died now, but I grew up with a Wednesday school as well. And mm-hmm. we went from third grade all the way through eighth grade. And we learned uh, Lutheran Reformation history. We learned hymns. Um, uh, we uh, So basically in Sunday school, we went through the catechism. But in Wednesday school, we learned even more. And those teachers that helped me out um, and taught me uh, gave me something that I'm now giving to others. Do you think you would have been a pastor without those Sunday school teachers? Probably I just wouldn't be as good a one, that's for sure. Okay. So, And, uh, you know, sometimes I know Sunday school takes a lot of work, takes a lot of time, but uh, a pastor really does appreciate those who work hard at, at the Sunday school and values the souls of the children and take it seriously. And, uh, you know, when we lose sleep, a lot of times we think about all the things that our young people have to face, all the temptations, all the attacks on their faith that they will have in their lifetime. And to know that, that you have people who are joyful and dedicated about teaching uh, these children is, is uh, a good, it helps the pastor sleep quite a bit at night. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy how little biblical literacy is in the United States today. Yeah. And um, we should be worried for our children. And we should take steps to educate them and make them wise unto salvation. Number eight. Be mindful that your pastor has ordination vows. Nice. I like it. Because uh, sometimes people don't realize that as a pastor carries out his, his work that the Lord has given him to make, he has made vows to be faithful to certain things, such as the Word of God, right? Um, the confessions. Uh, what else? To never, never divulge any sins, confess to him, which is a big deal now because there are, they, uh, I think in Canada, they're seeking to pass laws that pastors have to uh, divulge what is confessed to them. Mm. So um, live a holy and godly life, right? And sometimes, you know, you know, it's easy for, for people to think, well, can't you, a pastor, just fudge on this or fudge on that or, you know, smooth the edges on some things when really... Uh, a pastor has ordination vows. I've actually likened it to to this. How many of you in the audience feel comfortable asking someone to break their marriage vows? Or fudge on it. Or fudge on it. Right. That's almost shocking to even think about. Well, the, the, the ordination vows are equally serious, wouldn't you say? Right. Both are made before God. Both mm-hmm. are oaths. And so some of the things that this entails is is uh, keeping a clear confession, what he preaches, how he handles certain situation, so situations. He really, remember, he has made vows. And, uh, you know, when I'm a part of an ordination, I actually, I think I actually did this for yours, if you remember. I printed out the entire ordination service. Yeah, I still have that sitting on my shelf. It's awesome. The reason why is I want people to be able to read those. And mm-hmm. that may be a, something we can bring in another podcast sometime, is what are those 
ordination vows sound like? What do they entail? What is a pastor promising to do? And how can the people in the pews, the congregation, the souls of Christ, support him in those ordination vows? I think mm-hmm. being mindful of those things is really helpful for a pastor and helps him do what? Sleep better at night. Sleep better at night. Number seven. Be supportive of his wife and family. Yeah, that's a huge one. You know, part of that is ultimately making sure the the pastor's needs are met. Right. You know, uh, I've a lot of pastors have left the ministry because they have trouble supporting their family. Right. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, those type of worries are, are real. But uh, but just generally supportive, helpful. Pastors' wives don't like to ask for help a lot of times. Right. Um, and uh, they have to, when there are children involved, they have to wrestle their children without the help of their husband at, at church. And, uh, and you know, uh, they signed up less to be a pastor's wife than the pastor signed up to be a pastor, if that right. makes sense. Uh, they should also, you know, be friendly to them, talk with them, invite them out to stuff. Because they like being with people, and and they can feel my experience with a lot of the pastors' wives and vicars' wives over the years is is loneliness is a real thing for them. So mm-hmm. so uh, you know the more a pastor's wife and family can can feel welcomed, and a lot of that too is also realizing uh, your expectations for the pastor's wife. Sometimes those can be overblown. We expect the pastor's yeah, wife. She's to not this. Mrs. Pastor. Right, right. Uh, I generally teach a vicar that uh, the most important word and pastor's wife is the word wife and right and so so that's i think that's a big one if, if that happens that will definitely help your pastor sleep well at night number six when you need your pastor let him know hmm yeah yeah <laughs> i got a reaction out of you yeah oh yeah uh we didn't you know vicar this is something true we don't get esp when the hands are laid on us in ordination so we can't read people's minds. People need to call us. They need to tell us if they're in the hospital or if their friends are in the hospital. Right. Or or sometimes you are struggling with something the pastor said and he doesn't know. Um, the best thing is to talk to him, uh, ask him a question, clarify things. Um, a lot of times people are in, in, in grave spiritual distress. And it may not be a time of surgery. It may not be a time where you're in the hospital it may be something that has happened in your family that you know other people don't even know about, and you really need a pastor. Um, you know, you're not bothering the pastor. Uh, uh, Berg and I, I can say we are pastors because we want to be pastors. We want to do our job, and and I've lost sleep over the fact that people needed me and I didn't know it. Right, and. Uh, you know, uh, that's what we're there for. You're not going to bother your pastor. Um, you know, you are a child of God and we care for you. So if you need us, if you need a prayer, if you need words of encouragement, um, we try to do our best to guess when that happens, but but we a lot of times don't know. So please, uh, when you need your pastor, let him know. What do you think of the list so far? Pretty good. I, I'm, I'm digging it. And if, you, by the way, if there's anything else you want to add, if you think there's something I missed at the end, feel free to fire away. But it's probably going to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, brings us to number five. Number five. Uphold the church's communion policy with your family and guests. Yes. Um, a lot of times it's it's easy for people to pass the buck 
on that. And, you know, you bring someone family, I don't want to deal with that. I'm going to let pastor. But, but I think a lot of times it comes better from, from their own family member. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And, uh, and if you can't defend it, talk to your pastor. He can give you plenty of resources so that way you understand it better and can give good, faithful, and loving answers to, to the members of your family who are not yet in fellowship with you. Because, you know, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you know, how important it is to examine yourself before the, the Lord receiving the Lord's Supper and the fact that ultimately, uh, Berg, we have to give an answer to God for these things. Absolutely. And, uh, and, uh, and so that we lose sleep over whether who, you know, takes communion and, and whether they should or not because, because uh, it's, a, it's a serious thing and we do have to answer to God for these things. So we do lose, lose sleep over that. So anything you can do, I want you to be able to bring your, your guests and your family that may not be of the same mind, but at the same time, uh, please help us with that because a lot of times it does come much better from a family member. And if you don't understand closed communion... Write into us on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and we'll answer it on Confound the Clerics or something along those lines, too. So, number four, pray for him. <laughs> it's, yep. It seems kind of simple, but. Uh, and not just when he's sick. Not just when he's sick. And the reason why I say, I say that, too, is this might be a shock, but there's something I've experienced, um, and I know very well, that uh, your pastor is a sinner, too. Shocker. Your pastor has his own spiritual struggles. Mm-hmm. Your pastor has his own hurts and, and all those things. And uh, and just like we pray for you, uh, we desire your prayers. I think another thing, too, is uh, uh, praying for your pastor helps you understand or helps you... How can I word this? Praying for your pastor develops your own attitude towards your pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're praying for your pastor, it becomes a lot harder to be upset with him if you're really praying for his well-being. It, it, uh, don't you think part of prayer, when Jesus asks us to pray for enemies, that part of the change he desires in that prayer is the one who's praying? Right. Not like that country song where it says, I'll pray for you. And I pray, and you know, and the guy is praying that you know her brakes go out, and you know, <laughs> that's a curse. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's not praying for somebody. Oh, you know, we should use our vicar app, but he's doing such a nice job coloring over there. I don't want to disturb him. <laughs> Stand in the lions. <laughs> Number three. Don't be afraid to let your pastor know that you are a sinner. Yeah. Um. Because we already know. Because God's word tells us so. Would you... Sometimes it reminds me of... Uh, sometimes older folks, when they go to the doctor, they try and pretend that they're not sick because they don't want to have to take another medicine <laughs> or they're afraid they might have to have another surgery. And so they go to the doctor thinking, well, I want to make sure the doctor knows just how healthy, healthy I, I am. am. And uh, sometimes, we, you know, children are taught, you know, behave because, you know, pastors over there, he might notice that you're a sinner. But uh, if it weren't for sinners, we'd be out of a job, man. Yeah, which would be awesome. But uh, we're here because there's a need, because people are sinners. And there's nothing that you can tell us uh, that's going to surprise us. That's true. There's no sin that you can come up with that we haven't experienced or that we haven't heard in God's word. That's right. 
And and uh, and if God doesn't remember your sins, then why should we when you confess them? And I can honestly say that that a pastor learns very easily to compartmentalize these things. You know, you know, when you talk to your pastor in a in, in, and and uh, you come to him, for example, for private confession absolution, that's not something that the pastor spends a lot of time dwelling on. When someone in that situation, that is not a reason why a pastor loses sleep. That's a reason why a pastor rejoices that the forgiveness of sins is brought to someone. Absolutely. In fact, uh, the thing that we we don't feel any superiority in the confessional. I know I feel really humble and really compassionate. Yeah. Because you know, you see yourself in these people. Mm -hmm. You see sinners who desire grace. Yeah. And they desire... Uh, to live a better life. They want to amend their lives. They want the forgiveness of sins. They want the certainty that they have a gracious God. Number two, go to Bible study. Yeah. I I got to say, a lot of people show up to the Bible study, so I, I'm, you know, I wish there was always more. Mm-hmm. But where I grew up, nobody went to Bible study. And I just can't imagine how my pastors growing up, how they even dealt with that. Because you can't teach some... In, in a sermon, but in a Bible study, it's a completely different context. Right. And uh, you can dress things in a, in a much different way. You know, sometimes people ask the prize when we have a certain teaching. Well, I've never heard that before. Well, how are you supposed to know what it is if you actually didn't have an opportunity to be taught that? You know, a sermon is only, what, about 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, they used to be 45 minutes to an hour. But, unfor- you know, well, this is why we have our attention, you know, right. our ADHD Bible study. <laughs> ten, minute, uh, 10 or 15 minutes is actually long for me. <laughs> you know, you know, I start thinking about all sorts of things because, like I said, pastor's a sinner too. But, uh, but uh, it really is, is helpful for a pastor to have uh, people in his Bible study, and it really helps him prepare for Bible study. He's kind of re- reinvigorated to, to in his Bible study when you know he's got a, a group of people there that are eager and, right. and, and coming on a regular basis. And so so going to Bible study certainly is a way that will do what? Make your pastor sleep better at night. That's right. And number one. Go to church. Yep. Amen. Because do we worry about people who aren't there yes and uh and uh you know we uh we love you and we care about you and we want you to receive the gifts that god has given we want you the faith that you have to be strengthened and sustained and fed and uh, because we care about you we don't want you there so that our numbers look better we don't want you there because uh it helps us feel good just that we're doing a good job that people like us that we're doing something right we really want you there because we love you. We want we want you to be saved. We want you to be saved. And so anything else to add to that? The only one I would add to would be the Sunday School VBS one, Home Devotions. Mm-hmm. That uh, this is something that I think we've lost in our, in our uh, context is that Fathers as the head of the homes should be leading home devotions. And if there is a household that doesn't have a dad, for whatever reason, uh, the mom should lead them. Mm-hmm. And that the house should be the place where God's word is talked about, prayed about, and uh, spoken to one another. 
because uh, fathers, you have a lot more influence on your children than a pastor does. Absolutely. And uh, you don't have to be the perfect spokesman. But, no. Uh, you know, even if you just read a few verses out of the Bible, even if you just go through the Ten Commandments or the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer, just, you know, very, very simple things. One thing I do for our uh, confirmation kids in their sermon studies is I now have a question of of what point in the sermon did your your father or your mother think was important? They kind of that's another way to start is just to talk about the sermon, right? Talk about what you heard, um, because uh, um, you know people worry about communications with their children. How can I talk to my son or my daughter about this or that? Well, if you can talk about faith and if you can talk about God's word, it gives you a wonderful place to start in all of them. That's so. the truth. So that is our top 12. Nice. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at Thanks for listening to Clerical Airs. See you next time.